Again, want to remind you that we have Titus and Crystal Bagby with us this morning from Texas A&M, the RUF International Campus pastor there. We are thrilled to get to have you with us, Titus. You can take your mask off and come share God's word with us. Thanks, Kyle. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with y'all. It's actually been almost like 17 years since I've been back of the woodlands. Um, used to come up here a lot for swim meets growing up, so it's, it's fun to be back here in a completely different context. So as, as Kyle said, my name is Titus Bagby. I'm serving with RUF International at Texas A&M University. I have the privilege of being married to Crystal Bagby for almost nine years now. We have a, a beautiful daughter. Her name is Brighton Bagby, and she's about a year and a half old. And we're also expecting a second baby girl here in October, so excited about that. And life as a campus minister, um, especially working with international students, can be kind of exciting. Um, I'm getting to work with a lot of students that are coming from different countries, different cultures, uh, lots of different backgrounds. And obviously, COVID-19 is changing a lot for international students in our world today. But last year, 1.2 million international students made the journey to the United States for their studies. Uh, Many of them are coming from places in our world where it's really hard to send missionaries to. But those who come here come because they know that their studies in the United States will change the future for themselves, for their families, and for their countries. The next generation of international leaders is actually here in our own backyards, um, getting to study at our universities. And one day they will shape the world. And so just think for me with a moment, for a moment, you know, what if they got to encounter Jesus while they were here? What if they began to follow Jesus because they experienced his love through his people, through gospel words and gospel deeds? And what if one day they took the gospel with them back to the countries from which they came? What would our world be like? We have an amazing opportunity to to reach the least reached nations here in our own backyard. And RUF in some ways is the most cost efficient form of uh, international missions that there there is. Um, And you get to do it right here, which is really exciting. So if you'd like to hear more about it, please come find me after the service. I'd love to tell you more and include you and what we're doing at Texas A&M with international students. Well, this morning we're taking a closer look at missions from the Bible as we continue our sermon series of a summer in the Psalms. And missions is one of those words that, you know, maybe makes you feel really excited or maybe extremely terrified. Um, growing up in the church, I actually had a pretty, fair, or a pretty awkward relationship to missions. Um, it, you know, something I knew was very important, but it was also something I felt obligated to do. And often the obligation of it would be kind of sprung on me in surprising and uncomfortable ways. So I remember one summer I was at a youth camp and one evening we were breaking off into our respective guys and girls groups and the guys, you know, we were doing stupid things like telling yo mama jokes. And then all of a sudden our youth leader turns to us and is like, so how are you sharing your faith with your friends? And it was like a moment where like all of us are caught in the headlights, like a deer in the headlights. And we're just all feeling really uncomfortable and nervous. You know, some begin to feebly talk about their attempts at evangelism. But in the back of my head, I was like, uh-uh, not me. Like, God's probably used me for some other ways in his world and in his kingdom. And the funny thing is, is that I, now my job is to actually talk about others, talk to Jesus about others. Um, you know, I think God still has a, a strange sense of humor. But you know, I began to see that it's, it's not out of obligation that we do this, but it's actually out of joy. And it actually took a trip to China my, my last year of college to see that, you know, Jesus was not only, you know, my Lord and Savior personally, but he was Lord of the nations. And I got to see that in an amazing and surprising way, getting to take that trip. So today we're, we're looking at a psalm, Psalm 67. 
And, you know, it's a psalm that's near and dear to my heart because it really helped me begin making sense of this, that, you know, God blesses his people so that he would bless the world. And, and, you know, the church, in his joy of knowing God, gets to put the kingdom of God on display and invites the nations into that same joy that they have. And as the psalms, you know, shape the identity and the worship of God's people, the psalms also shape the mission of God's people. So let's read the psalm together as we dive in to think about its meaning for our lives today. So looking at Psalm 67 here. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and you guide the nations on the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth may fear him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for how you reveal yourself to us in your word. We thank you also for the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand it and shapes us by it. We praise you that you are a God who is not far off from the world you have made. You are intimately involved in the affairs of the people that you have made in your image. We celebrate how this is most perfectly expressed in Jesus Christ. And show us again by your word how we are blessed in him that we might bring blessing to the nations. Reveal your heart to the nations for us that we might join you in the work of making all things new. In Christ's name and by the Spirit we pray. Well, as you're reading the first line of this psalm, Psalm 67, you might be thinking, hmm, I've heard this somewhere else. How about this? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Ring any bells? Even if you've been in the PCA just a little while, you've probably heard this benediction from Numbers uh, 6, 24 to 26 a number of times now. And it's a pronouncement of God's blessing on his people that's been recited throughout the ages. It was a reminder to Israel that God loves them, that he's committed to them, and that he wants to give them the very best thing, which is himself. And we find that same language of grace, blessing, and face here in that first line of Psalm 67. But the second line of this psalm gives it a new twist. So that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all peoples. This psalm recognizes that God's face, that God's blessing, that God's grace is given to God's people for their good and for the good of the nations. God's blessing to his people is to be received with joy and then given away. And this is how it's always been from the start. You know, we see all the way back, you know, in Genesis 12 with Abraham, that God blessed him so that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So this psalm, in a way, is God's pronouncement of God's mission for his people throughout all ages. And we see this most profoundly in verse 4, which is the crux of the passage. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations on the earth. The nations are to praise God and delight themselves in him. And how are they to do that? It's because they see what God is like through his people. They see that God is a God of justice because God fights for his people against all forms of evil and injustice and wickedness in our world. They see that God guides his people like a good shepherd, loving them, caring for them, meeting their needs. 
And they see the God of Israel is not like the, the capricious gods and idols of their culture or of their peoples. Now, he's not a God who's always changing, um, but he's a God that is different from all the gods of the world. And so seeing him would lead to them knowing him and ultimately delighting themselves in them and giving him praise. And we get a really clear picture of this in the Bible from 1 Kings 10, at the height of Israel's history, when the Queen of Sheba comes to visit Solomon because she's heard of his fame that the Lord has bestowed upon him. And she comes questioning God, you know, she's almost skeptical of him, but then she leaves after seeing all that God has done for his people, praising him. And you know, if the Bible had actually ended there, it wouldn't have been a bad ending. But we know how the rest of the story goes. Solomon forgets God and Israel along with him. And instead of pointing the nations to the one true God, they begin to worship all the false gods of the nations surrounding them. You know, things continue to spiral out of control for Israel, and eventually they're carried off into exile. And we're left by the end of the Old Testament kind of wondering, how is Israel going to bring God's blessing to all the nations? See, Israel and the nations had the very same problem. They were slaves to sin. Israel was also in need of redemption before she could bring God's blessing to the world. And in Jesus Christ, we and Israel have such a redeemer, have such redemption. By Jesus' death and resurrection, he is the fullest expression of God's grace, God's blessing, and of God's face to us. It's because God turned his face away from Christ on the cross, fully satisfying the debt of our sins, that God's face can shine upon us, that we can know his love, his presence in our life. It's his grace that washes away our sins, that takes away our shame. And it's Christ's righteousness that is given to us. And ultimately, by Jesus' resurrection, we know um, that God blesses us and has given us the hope that there's a new day coming when there will be no more pain, there will be no more tears, there will be no more suffering or death. God has truly blessed his people in Christ. And the results of this were immediately global. You know, Psalm 67, most point out that this was a psalm that was most likely sung during the Feast of Pentecost, which is a feast of harvest. And we kind of get the indicator of that from verse 6. But, you know, on the day of Pentecost, following Jesus' ascension, Jesus blessed his church in a new way by pouring out his spirit on his people. And then with the result that men and women who were gathered together in that place, coming from all nations around the world, were brought into the worship of God, brought in to his kingdom. The church, both Jew and Gentile alike, now you know, continue this work of bringing the blessing of Christ to all nations. And so the church sings this psalm today as we continue to celebrate our own redemption in Christ so that all the nations of the earth might find joy in worshiping and knowing him. And it's almost a principle of life that our enjoyment in anything is increased as we share it with others. You know, we see this in our children as they bring us along or they bring a friend along into whatever activity they, they, they're doing that they enjoy it more because they have a friend or a parent enjoying it with them. And you see it obviously with your adult friends. You know, people, maybe you have that friend that won't stop talking about their favorite restaurant they just tried out or that newest piece of technology they have or that Netflix series they just watched. By the way, I haven't seen Tiger King. I, I don't think I could watch that human, the wreck of human life there. But, you know, I'll talk stranger things with you all day. But we can't help but praise the things um, that we love, and our enjoyment of them is increased whenever we uh, share that with others. And it's one of my greatest joys in international student ministry 
whenever uh, I can find that restaurant that gives our students a taste of home. You know, if I could, you know, go, to a go with a student to a restaurant and they say, I haven't tried this, I haven't had this food in months. My enjoyment of that experience and my connection to that student is so much better. And what if we talked about Jesus in that way? Instead of thinking of evangelism or missions as just getting through a four-point gospel presentation with as many folks as possible, what if it was out of this deep-seated joy and celebration we have in Christ that we share it with others? You know, I think the best missions and the best evangelistic efforts in the church are always out of a celebration of what we have in Christ. And, you know, only as the church fully grasps what we have in Christ can we take that blessing, can we take that gladness and that joy to the nations. So what does Psalm 67 mean for us today? I think it first challenges us to consider what it is that we are truly worshiping. Again, the church can only, you know, the nations can only come to worship God as they know all that they have in Christ. And, you know, and here in the United States, there's so many things that we worship more than God. We love our comfort. We love control. We love achievement. We love our politics and our wealth way too much. You know, I work with a lot of students that worship false gods. And even as idols, they bring over with them. But in some ways, they're actually like more honest in naming what they're worshiping. You know, us, for us living in the United States, we're often too slow to, to recognize our cultural idols and name them and repent of them. I'm guilty of this too. And, you know, God wants more for us. You know, dumb idols will only break our hearts. Only God can meet the true and deepest longings of our hearts. So think about this week. What is, what is the thing you think you can't live without? You know, think about that and then c confess it to God and, and leave it in his hands. And then come knowing that God has given you everything in Christ. You lack nothing. And this is a process that is ongoing without our, throughout our lives. You know, it's a day, almost day by day, moment by moment kind of thing. Uh, but think about that this week. Secondly, this psalm teaches us that the blessings of Christ were never meant to rest on us alone. They were always meant to be given away and extended to others. You know, God um, is committed to redeeming the nations of our world. And this is public news. It's so much more than just me and my personal salvation. Um, it means worldwide renewal and redemption. And it's something we're invited into. And so we get to, you know, increase our joy in Christ, not diminish our joy in Christ, as we take it to others. And so how much you, this week, or how much you just maybe start thinking about how you're promoting your faith to others. You know, maybe start thinking about how your faith affects you, how it affects what you do, and how it affects all the relationships in your life. You know, start thinking about ways, creative ways, maybe you can begin letting people around you, your non-Christian friends, know that you're a Christian. Start making space for others in your life. And that me might mean letting go of different commitments you already have. And finally, you know, if you want to start thinking through the tough questions um, for us as Christians, you know, reach out to me, reach out to Kyle, ask us for resources. We'd love to help you with that. And lastly and thirdly, you know, others, the others that we're to extend the blessing to is all nations, right? When the Bible speaks of nations, it's not speaking primarily of borders, but it's speaking of people. In Christ, God is restoring his image in humanity. And as Kyle said earlier, that includes all the diversity in humanity. You know, the, the gospel speaks to people of every culture in every time and in every place. We don't get to pick who the gospel is for because it's for everyone. And we know not everyone will come to believe the gospel, but we're promised in Revelation 7-9 that when this age ends, 
and the multitude of the redeemed fall down and worship God before his throne, that it will include people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So how are you participating in bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations? You know, if you haven't started yet, there's no shame. I'm not here to shame you this morning. Shame is an illegitimate motive for mission. But I am here to invite you into that. So maybe get a map, start looking at the nations of the world, and begin praying for them. You know, countries that maybe our country is in most conflict with, like China and Iran, are the places where the church is also growing the fastest. So begin praying for the church around the world, praying that it would continue to flourish and grow even in the face of persecution. And you know, to, to get involved in this work of missions, you don't have to be a missionary, you don't have to be a minister. This is for all of God's people. And God uses broken, messed up people like us ministers, like missionaries, to bring about worldwide change and redemption. And so, you know, consider giving to to ministries, consider, consider thinking about how you can get involved in those ministries. Um, begin thinking and, and listening to perspectives of other Christians around the world of different races and of different nationalities. Begin hearing their stories, hearing their struggles as Christians. And, you know, think about maybe welcoming your neighbors or international students into your home. You know, I know there's still a lot of awkwardness with COVID-19, but begin thinking about how you might be involved in the life of people from other cultures and nations. And you know, if you're you know, if able, you might even want to come join one of our events at Texas A&M. You know, we get to do a lot of things virtually now. And so almost anyone can join in with that. So you're welcome to come join us at any time. And eventually when all, our, all the things start opening back up, however long that might be, maybe think about going on a, a short-term trip and seeing what God is doing around the nations. And above all, certainly pray and ask how you can use your gifts for God's kingdom and for his glory. Psalm 67 shows us that God's gift to the world is actually the church. The church, we are God's gift to the world and to the nations. And when the church delights in all that we have in Christ, uh, the nations will be glad and sing for joy. And so may God make us a people that are blessed in Christ, that we might bring his blessing to all people. Would you pray with me now? Father God, we thank you that you are God of the nations and that you love all peoples. And we thank you for how you have redeemed us in Christ, that we might bring your blessing to the entire world. Lord, help us this week to begin thinking through how we might be a part of that. Help us to think through, you know, the ways that we haven't worshipped you, worshipped you, that we might begin to truly worship you and bring the joy we have of knowing you to the nations. Um, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us in Christ. And we pray that as we experience um, your joy and your peace and your blessing, that we would extend it out to others. We pray all this now in Christ's name and by your spirit. Amen.